We'll continue our study in 2 Kings 11. We'll conclude this chapter today and two more chapters until this study is completed. And then John, I believe, will continue our study in the life of Christ. 2 Kings 11, we'll read the chapter. It's only 21 verses. And again, as always, listen for themes and repeated words and phrases. 2 Kings 11, beginning at verse 1. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal offspring. But Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons who were being put to death and placed him and his nurse in the bedroom. So they hid him, and did you catch that? So they hid him from Athaliah, and he was not put to death. So he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord six years while Athaliah was reigning over the land. Now in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of the hundreds, of the Karaites, and of the guard, and brought them to him in the house of the Lord. Then he made a covenant with them and put them under oath in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. He commanded them, saying, This is the thing that you shall do. One third of you who come in on the the Sabbath and keep watch over the king's house, one third also shall be at the gate, sir, and one-third at the gate behind the guards shall keep watch over the house for defense. Two parts of you, even all who go out on the Sabbath, shall also keep watch over the house of the Lord for the king. Then you shall surround the king, each with his weapons in his hand, and whoever comes within the ranks shall be put to death. And be with the king when he goes out, And when he comes in, so the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. And each one of them took his men who were to come in on the Sabbath with those who were to go out on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. The priest gave to the captains of the hundreds the spears and shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of the Lord. The guards stood each with his weapons in his hand from the right side of the house to the left side of the house by the altar and by the house around the king. Then he brought the king's son out and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she came to the people in the house of the Lord. She looked, and behold, the king was standing by the pillar, according to the custom, with the captains and all the trumpeters beside the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced and blew trumpets. Then Athaliah tore her clothes and cried, Treason! Treason! And Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds 
who were appointed over the army and said to them, Bring her out between the ranks, and whoever follows her, put to death with the sword. And the priest said, Let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and when she arrived at the horse's entrance of the king's house, she was put to death there. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people, also between the king and the people. All the people of the land went to the house of Baal and tore it down. His altars and his images, they broke in pieces thoroughly and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. He took the captains of the hundreds and the Karaites and the guards and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord and came by the way of the gate of the guards to the king's house. And he sat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet. For they had put Athaliah to death with the sword at the king's house. Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. Well, what an amazing story. And I do hope that you read through the Bible at least every few years. And I hope you read Second Kings. And the next time you read it, whenever that may be, you will be a little more familiar with it. And, and I think we all confess we don't know Uh, the book of Kings as we ought, or the books, I should say, of Kings as we ought. This chapter has this vivid picture of the wicked Athaliah who became uh, the, the queen of Judah. And then we see this little baby rescued by Jehoshaphat and Jehoiada, the husband and wife, the high priest and his wife, who was the aunt of Joash. And we also noted last time that there was, there is a parallel or contrast with chapter 10 uh, verses 18 to the end where we heard over and over the house of Baal, the house of Baal, the house of Baal. And in chapter 11, we hear the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord. And we see the house of Baal in Judah destroyed as well. So there's this contrast the crushing of false religion and really the renewal and and somewhat of a reformation of the true religion especially the temple worship our title was uh, David's lamp kept lit by God and this will just be part two to that today and we began last time and worked our way through I believe it was uh, verse 11 today, but for review, um, we noted that Thaliah was one of the wives, and, and she was probably that one called the queen mother in chapter 10. Um, she was married to Jehoram, king of Judah, and last week, by the way, if you didn't catch it, I, I made a mistake, and I said Jehu uh, killed um, the king of Israel, excuse me, the king of Judah, and that was not correct. So it's easy to get these two Jehorams mixed up, and I did the same thing. So if you caught it, good for you. Bonus points. 
But this Athaliah was married to Jehoram, and he had several wives, at least. Uh, he had this Athaliah, and then he had this Zibiah, which is mentioned in 12.1. And um, the daughter, excuse me, the son of Jehoram and Athaliah was Ahaziah, who was who was killed, and she is grieving that, but her grief turns her to murder, as we read in verse 1. This woman, Athaliah, was killing her step-grandchildren or her real grandchildren, and maybe even some of her own sons were existing. Uh, 10.13 said that she had sons, and Second Chronicles 24.17 also said that she had sons, plural, not only Ahaziah. So she was a murderous woman, and we noted the, our first lesson was stand appalled at the depraved mind. And we mentioned Romans chapter 1, that God gave her over to this depraved mind, greedy to rule and, and covetous to be the queen of Judah and a hater of God and preferred the worship of Baal to the worship of the true God, being a daughter of Ahab. And she was that connection between Judah and Israel, the daughter of Ahab. And even it's mentioned that she was the daughter of Omri, the beginner of the beginning of that real infiltration of the Baal worship and false worship into Judah and Israel. But God is going to deal with her here in this chapter. And it's interesting that Jehu did not put her to death. We saw that Jehu killed many, many of the false worshipers. But he did not kill her, and it's it's interesting, but God rectified that uh, in this chapter as we will read. Uh, this beautiful auntie Jehoshaba rescues her nephew, and again, she is the wife of Jehoiada, the high priest, and <clears throat> we said that there's a contrast between these two women. Athaliah was the ruiner of Judah, but Jehoshaba was the rescuer of Judah. So a stark contrast between these two women. We noted from the risk that she took, because she could have easily been put to death, she took a great risk along with her husband for years. And we noted in our first lesson that faithful service to God always has great implications for good. And I think we can take the idea of Riken who said, dare to be a Jehoshaphat, like dare to be a Daniel, dare to be a Jehoshaphat. And at times, we don't take this type of risk, most likely. We could do it at some point, but our risks, if you will, are much smaller. But we're encouraged by her example to, to follow God in such a way to step out by faith and do the right thing. And what an encouragement that God used this faithful auntie to preserve the line of David. I mean, wow. Um, and her husband, of course, the two of them. Uh, but she is mentioned as rescuing the baby. He was hid in the house of the Lord six years. The secrecy of that little baby, uh, keeping the baby quiet, not letting the baby get out. We don't have much more information. Maybe Athaliah didn't know the baby existed. Maybe she just thought the baby died. We don't know. But that baby was kept secret, kept hidden in the house of the Lord. She didn't have an interest in the house of the Lord uh, because she was worshiping Baal. So uh, apparently at least a good chunk of the people were already sympathetic and wanted a, a descendant of David on the throne, not a descendant of Ahab. 
So the godly priest, Jehoiada, uh, gets all these captains of the hundreds from these different groups and maybe these even mercenary-like characters, the Karaites and Chronicles adds Levites were brought in extensively because only they could be in parts of the temple. And so the uh, the Levites were there with swords drawn when it comes down to it. Uh, one author noted that the temple and the palace complexes were adjacent and there were many guarded doors and gates and connections. So th- when we read all these going to this gate and this place, uh, we can understand the connection of the temple and the king's palace. Uh, maybe secret passageways, we don't really have all the details of that. The uh, These people were um, obedient and the phrase that, that stuck out to me in verse 9 was, the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada told them. And there was a, there's a great lesson there about when we're instructed by God or through godly people that we ought to be obedient and follow completely. What a blessing when someone follows the instructions, when they're with the program, especially here to preserve the descendant of David. They did all that was commanded. What good captains these were in Judah. And then we concluded last time in thinking about the old covenant and the spears and the shields, the, these trophies that David had that were put in the temple. Uh, was it Goliath's a sword or shields from all the people he battled against? There were these weapons, and of course the captains and their officers had short swords or, or long swords with them. And it was there was a combination in the worship and in the warfare. And I wanted to note, We did note last time thoroughly, I believe, that we must understand the difference between the covenants. Uh, We sing one of the hymns, not with swords loud clashing does the kingdom come. We, We fight a spiritual warfare. We love our enemies. We do not and should not, and we're forbidden to take up weapons. And whenever people confuse the covenants in this area, there's a great tragedy that occurs. Well, then coming to new material in verse 12. Verse 12. Then he, Jehoiada, brought the king's son out and put the crown on him and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. He was crowned king by the priest Jehoiada, the high priest. He was supported by the military leaders as well as the religious leaders in Israel, the Levites, as mentioned from Chronicles. And if you want to flip over to Second Chronicles 23, this is the parallel passage. And remember, Chronicles covers the history of the kings of Judah. Sometimes there'll be a little bit about the kings of Israel as an aside, but Chronicles is about David and then his descendants. Second Chronicles 23, 3, and you can see the heading, Jehoiada sets Joash on the throne of Judah. And there's a whole parallel passage and some of this exact same verbiage is used, uh, possibly written by Ezra, we don't know. But Second Chronicles 23, pick it up midway through the verse, 23, 3, Behold! The king's son shall reign as the Lord has spoken concerning the sons of David. And this is another reason 
I added the title, David's Lamp Kept Lit by God. The king's son, the son of David, shall reign. That's what the Lord had spoken, the promise that David would have a seed upon his throne. Now, you can chew on the idea that a few hundred years later, Judah was extinguished. Judah was extinguished in 586 B.C., Well, there was still a line of David, but at least through 586, there would be a king or a a descendant of David ruling. And that's what's happening in our chapter here in 2 Kings 11. This little boy is being rescued, and here he is proclaimed king. Now, it says that he was given the testimony. He's seven years old. Just picture this little boy and, and all that is going on, and he's given this testimony. That could have been a section from the Pentateuch. It could have been the Ten Commandments. It could have been uh, like Deuteronomy 17 gives all these instructions how a godly king should should live. I read uh, Proverbs 31, 1 through 10 this morning, which is uh, the instruction on how a king should act. And particularly the kings of Judah and Israel were called to do justice, to defend the orphan, the the uh, open your mouth for the rights of the unfortunate. And so something of that nature probably was the testimony uh, that what was required of a king, uh, how much was written of the Pentateuch, what they had in hand uh, is unclear, what he was holding, but he had some type of testimony that surely told him what God required. He had that in his hand. Excuse me. And they proclaimed this phrase, long live the king. So everyone could hear this was going to be the new king of Judah, Joash, at seven years of age, because the throne had been usurped by Athaliah, truly the foreigner. Verse 13. When Athaliah heard the noise of the guard, they, seven years went by in 12 verses. Keep that in mind. Seven years had passed. Verse 13, when Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she came to the people in the house of the Lord. It's probably the first time she had been there in a long time, if ever. It's amazing she didn't destroy the temple. God had preserved it. Verse 14, she looked and behold... The king was standing by the pillar, according to the custom, with the captains and the trumpeters beside the king. And all the people of the land rejoiced and blew the trumpets. Then Athaliah tore her clothes and cried, treason, treason. She had no idea what had been going on for seven years. She was oblivious to what God was doing. She thought that she had extinguished the lamp of David. She thought that Baal worship would continue and maybe she would have another son of one of her descendants and put him on the throne. We don't know, but surely she was in shock. She had six plus years of ruling and reigning in Judah. We don't have any information about it, but the people obviously despised her. She is in shock as this little boy is crowned, as he has the testimony, and it says he's by the pillar. Uh, Many authors suggest that this may have been one of those bronze pillars that Hiram had made with 
uh, under Solomon, and they named those two pillars. If you remember, um, uh, Jachin w- was one. He shall establish, or Boaz was the other pillar. In in its excuse me, in it is strength. Those two bronze pillars. So uh, imagine, and of course they would understand this better than we did, the original recipients, but it was according to the custom. He had the testimony. He was by the pillar, as was the custom. The captains were supporting him. The trumpeters were blowing their trumpets. Even all the people were blowing their trumpets. And Second Chronicles adds, the singers with their musical instruments were leading in praise. It's really nice to compare Chronicles. It was sort of... a a mini, not only a coronation, but it seems they were praising God and we'll see their reaction momentarily in Jehoiada's instruction. A godly priest was leading this, we could say, a reformation in Judah. And several times we have the, the description, all the people of the land. This was not only from the priests, not only from the Levites, not only from the captains, but all the people of the land were somehow gathered in here and represented, and it was a large amount of people, and they were all celebrating and blowing trumpets and singing, we trust the praise of God for a son of David again on the throne. And she cries, treason. It's the same word used elsewhere for conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. Now, how could this woman speak of conspiracies? How could this woman speak of treason when she had killed all the descendants of the king and even the kings, her husband who was deceased and her son's children and the son's of the other wives, she had all those babies and children killed. And she's talking about treason? And she's talking about conspiracy? What hypocrisy. She is the queen of treason. The queen of conspiracy. Lesson four. See the treacherous Athaliah caught in her own trap. See the treacherous Athaliah caught in her own trap. Psalm 7.16 came to mind. His or her mischief or trouble will return upon his own head and his violence will descend upon his own pate. And I love that's the only time that word is in our English Bible, pate. We don't use that word anymore. It's the crown of your head. And she had killed others and planned evil and now the same thing is about to happen to her. She, Her mischief, her trouble, she had planned it and executed it and It took years for the consequences to hit, but seven years later, that mischief returns on her own pate. The Lord will catch the wicked in their own trap. It may be six or seven years later or even at the end of their lives, but ultimately, their trouble will return on their own head, as happens to Athaliah, though she was utterly boggled as she cried, treason, treason. Verse 15, verse 15, and Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds who were appointed over the army and said to them, bring her out between the ranks and whoever follows her put to death with the sword for for the priest said, let her not be put to death 
in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and when she arrived at the horse's entrance or the horse's gate of the king's house, she was put to death there. Jehoiada has the wicked usurper Athaliah put to death. And did you notice how many people followed her? Zero. Zero. She didn't have support from the populace. And in God's providence, she walked alone and she died alone. See the mighty queen. And did you note where she was killed? At the horse's gate. The gate where the horses and the chariots would come back into the city. The horse's gate. Her grandeur went to the gutter, if you will. She she was uh, demoted from the throne of Judah to being put to death at the horse's gate, sort of like Jezebel, her her stepmother, um, who was trampled by the feet of the horses. Lesson five, behold, Athaliah, the destroyer, has been destroyed forever. Behold, Athaliah, the destroyer, has, was, excuse me, has been destroyed forever. She was desolated at the horse's gate. David said it this way, you have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. We have very little information about this woman and the six plus years that she reigned, but we do have a description of her violent death by the hand of this godly priest, Jehoiada, ultimately God's plan to punish her for her usurping the throne and killing all the descendants of David and bringing all worship into the house of Judah. But she received her due. God punished her. He destroyed her and blotted her name out forever, to use the phrase of Psalm 9.5. It reminds us of another psalm that God sets them in slippery places and quickly they are cast down. It doesn't seem quick to us or even quick to them. It may be at the end of their seemingly long life, but they will be punished and blotted out forever. Athaliah is a sobering and somber story. But on the heels of her being put to death, we come to verse 17. Jehoiada had more work to do, not only punishing the wicked Athaliah, but verse 17, then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. Also between the king and the people. I think this is the most beautiful verse in this Grievous chapter 11, Jehoiada makes a three-way covenant between the Lord, all the people, and the king. That they would be the Lord's people. What a beautiful description of this reformation, this covenant renewal. Uh, it's, it's covenantal promises and it harkens back to Leviticus 26.12. I will also walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. That's the old covenant and the new covenant promise. I will be your God and you will be my people. And that's the reminder that he calls upon the people and the king and the Lord to have this renewed covenant because apparently Athaliah had influenced them to the degree that they 
Baal worship had grown in Judah, that there was a temple there. And, and this, apparently the temple had fallen into disrepair because the money and the support and the worship was going to that temple. And even in the previous chapters, we heard about Jehoram, who married this wicked Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab, how she had pulled down Judah. Well, now the people were going to be brought back to the Lord, that they would be the Lord's people. And by the way, that verse from Leviticus is quoted in 2 Corinthians 6.16. It's the same description of us. Let's apply it this way, lesson six. Like Judah, let us recommit ourselves to be all in for the Lord. Like Judah, let us recommit ourselves to be all in for the Lord. Maybe we stumbled and we have some idolatry. As Calvin said, our hearts are idle factories. Maybe there's some besetting sin, even this morning, even this week, when the Spirit of God convicts you, you, you may feel, I've been, I've had that idol that I need to, to crush under my feet, or as Jesus said, I need to pluck out an eye, or I need to cut off a hand. What sin is hindering us, like Judah, where we need to turn from that sin and recommit ourselves to the Lord so that we would be the Lord's people. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We are the Lord's people. We are followers of Christ. We must act like it. We must be all in for the Lord. Peter said we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's a parallel between the covenants. That's a positive point. The Israel and Judah of old were the people of God. They were his own possession. And we, all of the church, are God's own possession. We need to be all in for the Lord. We cannot be half-hearted. We need to have this recommitment. Every day we rededicate ourselves to the Lord. Like the boy Samuel Here I am, Lord. I am yours. Do with me what you will. I am yours, Lord. I'm all in for you, Lord. Give me the grace to do it. We all need that daily reminder, don't we? Because we can slip like Judah. And that's the lessons over and over from Judah and Israel that there is a stumbling and a repentance. A stumbling and a repentance. Then we come to that. They made this covenant that they would be the Lord's people. And how do they respond? How do We can say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, God is my God. But how do we act? Verse 18, there's immediate repentance. All the people of the land went to the house of Baal and tore it down. His altars and his images, they broke in pieces thoroughly and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And then it There's this addendum. And the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. I think that would be, if I was uh, putting versification, I'd make that its own verse. I think that's a little different, but we'll leave it there. Josephus had claimed that Athaliah built the temple of Baal, and it makes sense. She was the main proponent as the queen mother, and she probably did build this temple. Surely she funded it, and she went there, and she worshipped Baal. And the people 
to some degree had probably followed her in this Baal worship. As the scripture says, Judah had stumbled because of this woman. But now, as they knew they were the Lord's people, they had to go and repent and destroy that house of worship in Judah. We saw it destroyed in Israel in chapter 10, but now we see it destroyed here in Judah. They smashed his altars, his images, and even his priest, this Matan. Jehoiada ensured the house of the Lord stayed protected as is added at the end, and cared for that the house of God. He put in these guards. Chronicles said they immediately offered burnt offerings to the Lord with rejoicing and singing according to the order of David. So they not only destroyed this house, but they went back and offered true sacrifices in the temple of God, that is, the Levitical priests. But thinking about these people and their actions, Lesson 7, Biblical Revival or reformation should include biblical repentance. You can get all excited and say I'm the Lord's people, but if you don't repent or change, it's all for nothing. Biblical revival should include biblical repentance. And we see this again and again in the the um, backslidings and the idolatry of Judah and Israel and then their consequent repentance and reformations. We have some great reformations in these books and Josiah is one of note. And what is repentance? I know you children would know and adults we trust. Repentance is you're going one direction and you turn around and go the other direction. I thought of Jesus instruction or John's instruction to the church at Ephesus. Remember remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. That's a great description or even a mini sermon on repentance. When we've been revived and we're like all in for the Lord, okay, what do I need to repent of? What do I need to turn from so that I am the Lord's? We are the Lord's people and we should act like it and therefore destroy these idols in our hearts. Remember from where we've fallen and do the deeds we did at first. And I hope we can take the example of the people of God here and think, what idols do I need to destroy? Maybe it's an app that wastes a lot of time on your phone. Maybe you need to remove it. I've done that. I found myself, and I'm not talking about a sinful app per se. I'm saying something. Maybe I need to pause that for a while. Maybe it's a hobby that I need to put on the back burner. Maybe I'm too interested in the Seahawks that I'm not spending time with my wife or whatever it may be. Maybe there's something, a a sinful thing for sure, that you just need to cut off and say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm all in for the Lord. Even as we had the Lord's Supper last week and we're examining our hearts and Lord, Search me, O God, where have I sinned? And when he shows us, we must turn. We must be all in for the Lord and then repent from our sins back to him. Well, the people continue in verse 19. Verse 19. Jehoiada, he took the captains of the hundreds and the Karaites and the guards and all the people of the land and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord. He had been there for seven, six or seven years, apparently. And now he goes down for, since he had been a baby, the first time down to 
the king's house. They came by the way of the gate of the guards. There's all these gates in between the temple and the king's house to the king's house. And, and this phrase at the end, and he sat on the throne of the kings. David's lamp preserved by God. David's lamp kept lit by God. This little boy had been rescued by this beautiful husband and wife, the high priest and his wife, the auntie of this little boy. And now he comes down, a seven-year-old boy, and is seated on the throne of the kings. You see God's providential hand in preserving the seed of David? The throne of kings. And as we noted, in 586, that throne is gone. But in a few hundred years after that, we see our Lord Jesus coming and then we see Him ultimately exalted to sit at the right hand of God. So lesson eight, and thinking broadly, when you read the book of Kings, make sure you look toward the King of Kings. Especially when you read of the house of Judah and you read of the descendants of David who will sit on his throne. When you read these books, look forward to or look back from our vantage point to the king of kings. They pointed toward King Jesus, the seed of David. Unfortunately, the houses were split under Solomon's children to the north and the south. Yet as fallen as they were and as broken and messed up, God would preserve his promise to seat one on the throne of David. If you read Matthew chapter 1, you can read about um, the different kings, the descendants. Uh, Ahaziah, Athaliah, Jehoash, and Amaziah are not mentioned there in Matthew 1 because sometimes the way they... Uh, the authors would would account for the different kings, but we do have Joram or Jehoram, and then uh, Uzziah. They are mentioned, and nonetheless, even Athaliah, Ahaziah, and Joash are in the line of the King of Kings, of King Jesus. It's profound. We need the Book of Kings. We need to see the lineage and how God used this broken people and these messed up and sinful kings to accomplish his purposes, ultimately to bring our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings. And even in Revelation 19.16, the description on the robe of Jesus and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, well beyond the kings of Judah and Israel. Of course, Every king that has ever lived, every lord with a small l, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. So we see this little boy taking his seat, if you will, on the throne of kings. But but look down the road in time to Matthew 1 when Jesus comes. And that's a necessity to understand the Bible covenantally, uh, theologically, to see what was God's purpose here to bring the King of Kings. And as a reminder, we read in 2 Kings 8.19 of Jehoram's reign, and it said, The Lord was not willing to destroy Judah for the sake of David his servant, since he had promised him to give him a lamp, give a lamp to him through his son always. And that was 
Joram or Jehoram who married this wicked Athaliah who had several wives and his son Ahaziah was killed and here we are at Joash. God made a promise to David and this little boy at seven years of age sitting on the throne is part of that fulfillment but ultimately looking forward to Christ. Verse 20. Wicked Athaliah is dead. Judah has a king, Joash. Verse 20. So all the people of the land rejoiced and the city was quiet. For they had put Athaliah to death with the sword at the king's house. Our final lesson today comes from Proverbs 11.10. When the wicked perish, there is joyful shouting. When the wicked perish, there is joyful shouting. Justice was finally served on Ahab's wicked house, on his wicked daughter Athaliah, who brought Baal worship into Judah and had led the people of God astray, but here she is judged, the murderous woman, the idolatrous woman, this queen who destroyed all but one of the seed of David. She is destroyed. And the land, the people of the land, rejoiced. And the city was quiet. She had reigned a horrible six years and had a bad influence while her husband and son were yet alive. How much more when they were gone? There's another proverb that says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, lest God see it and and be angry with you. And I believe the thought there is, we don't revel in happiness that anyone is destroyed or would go to hell. But conversely, there is a joyful shouting when the wicked perish because the people are free to return to God and punishment is done. It's like when Babylon is judged in Revelation 18 and it says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. It's the same idea. This wicked woman perished and the people of the land rejoiced because she was wicked. And finally, there was peace in the city. There was, and I'm not saying that this is um, holy warfare, but when Osama bin Laden was finally killed, we, we rejoiced. When Saddam Hussein was finally killed, We rejoiced when certain murderers are executed. We rejoice not because we we take some delight in in, in punishment, but we delight in God's justice. And especially when the people of God had been put to death by these all these wicked people and evil had been brought in, there is a measure of joy. When the wicked perish, there is joyful shouting. Finally, verse 21, in summary, Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. Can you imagine that? Remember when you were seven years old? Barely. This boy had seen a lot. And remember, he grew up in the house of the Lord. And what is his mission in the next chapter? To to, uh, reestablish the house of the Lord. To beautify the house of the Lord. So those seven years were not in vain. He was, he was um, connected in a special way. He grew up there as a boy playing in the house of the Lord, learning his ABCs, 
by his foster parents, Jehosheba and Jehoiada, and then he would become this reformer, although, as we mentioned, he stumbles greatly, which is a grief. And yet God had a purpose to keep David's lamp lit. In review, we noted from the beginning, stand appalled at the depraved mind, Athaliah. We noted faithful service to God has great implications for good as seen in Jehosheba and Jehoiada. We learn that we must understand the difference in the covenants. We don't take up swords and weapons. Fourth, we said, see this treacherous Athaliah caught in her own trap. She was the queen of treason, and treason happened to her. Fifth, behold, Athaliah the destroyer was, excuse me, has been destroyed forever. She was destroyed forever and is in hell today. Sixth, like Judah, let us recommit ourselves to be all in for the Lord. We can learn from Second Kings how to be all in for the Lord. And then biblical revival should include biblical repentance. Be all in for the Lord and repent. Eighth, when you read the book of Kings, make sure you look toward the King of Kings. And finally, when the wicked perish, there is joyful shouting. May God bless his word and these warnings and these reminders and help us to truly be all in for the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scripture which is profitable for teaching. Instruct us, O God, and may we be legitimate Christians, legitimately a people for your own possession, growing, moving forward, Father, not drifting, but being all in for Christ. May we be continuing to repent, continuing to believe, and fleeing from idolatry, freeing, fleeing from the sins that entangle our feet. We thank you that you had such a plan that you would use wicked people to accomplish your purposes, that you and your might preserve this little baby Joash, and becoming a boy to become the king, to restore your temple. Lord, may we learn lessons that are here, how you used all of these people to accomplish your purposes. We thank you for Christ's sake, the King of Kings. Amen.